0: Are you tired of a sky-high mortgage payment? You can refinance your existing mortgage loan with U.K. Federal Credit Union's fixed home equity loan. They're currently offering rates as low as
1: 2.74% APR and no closing cost with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today with U.K. Federal Credit Union. It's banking, only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into episode 83 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by our two good friends, um, two of the best in the game. First off, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you?
2: Doing great. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, and we are welcome back once again by David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Uh, always love having you on, David. How are you? I'm good. I can't see Sean. Yeah, he's he has his uh his video turned off. We'll we'll uh hopefully he can turn that on and we can see his beautiful that's, bright that's going, smile that's, look that's, at him.
0: I was him. gonna say that's gonna kill the female demographic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we we yeah, we wanna see your beautiful, bright face, Sean. So we appreciate you joining us in an official capacity. Yeah, Once again, this is a lot of fun, and we have a lot of fun things to talk about. Kentucky has uh, won its second straight game, and this is only the second time we can say that, or second or third time we can say this season that they've been uh, on a technically a win- winning streak. Is it the second time? Yeah. So, w- what are the odds of that? We're, we definitely needed that. Kentucky defeats Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, eighty-two uh, seventy-eight, to to move on to seven and thirteen on the season. And going down the box score real quick, like we usually do. Uh, Davion Mintz leads all scorers with 18 points, four of nine from three. Uh, Jacob Toppin, we'll talk about him quite a bit, 16 points, five of nine shooting, including four, five of five from the free throw line, but four consecutive clutch free throws at the end of the game. Um, J- Isaiah Jackson, 15 points, five of five shooting, nine rebounds. Uh, and then BJ Boston rounding out the double-digit scores with 12 points on 4 of 14 shooting as well. So, uh, David, we don't get to hear from you too often. So, you know, it, we're excited to, to hear about you know what you think of this new and improved Kentucky team, uh, even if it might be too little, too late. What do you think of the uh, most recent development of, of Kentucky success?
0: Well, it's weird uh, because I, you there's no doubt offensively they're better. Uh, and they've got a two-game winning streak now. They defeat Auburn. They defeat Vanderbilt. But there's been a lot of times when you would beat Vanderbilt before, and especially the team that's last place in SEC, and everybody would be like, what's wrong with this team? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's funny, as predictable as this team is, and you know what you're going to get game in and game out when you watch Kentucky, that it's going to go down to the wire. You're going to have tight games. Uh, and we know what the record is we 've said that, but still, how do you gauge the wins? It probably tells you you know how bad they were earlier in the season as they 've kind of built because it 's like no you know, 're just you 're looking for small victories right now
1: yeah and we talked about that last episode where uh, that auburn game it kind of felt like the team finally found ways to overcome its past demons where they would you know take massive leads in the first half but choke them away in the second half and lose the game uh, or they would fall behind way too early early in the game and then try to play catch up late in the game not be able to do that bj boston's inconsistency uh olivier Sar not being as productive as he needs to be turnover problems point guard play you, you know you, you just go down the list there were so many things that that UK, you could never pinpoint just one of UK's issues and say, ah, that's what UK needs to fix. The coaching staff couldn't rely on just one, you know, magic wand flip for one for one individual thing. It was everything combined, and it kind of felt like that Auburn game was the one game that they kind of put everything together and kind of washed away its past demons and found a way to to come out on top. This game, kind of a, a little bit of that, but. 17-point lead in the first half. It looked like they were you know, able to – they were. They could have coasted to a pretty significant victory had they kept their foot on the gas pedal but fell back into a little um, – some of their previous ruts and, and um, scoring dif- difficulties, defensive breakdowns in the second half especially. Sean, what do you think um, – you know, kind of where do you think those second-half breakdowns came from after re-watching the film and, and breaking things down a little bit?
2: I still I still think it's to the point that they don't know how to sustain, you know, effort and everything and you know consistency and success for 40 minutes. I still think it's a team that's obviously they're playing much better basketball now than what they were 2 or 3 weeks ago. But I still think that they're struggling to that point. But they're they're able to overcome it now. I think that's the biggest takeaway right now. That those two games that they've won the last two days, they were losing those games a week or so ago, like the exact way. Like it would get down to the end. They weren't, wasn't able to finish it or finish it off. It, this this game was kind of odd, too. Usually Kentucky struggles the first half versus Vanderbilt, and then they have they turned it on in the second half. This one was completely flipped. They played really well the first half. And then I thought they'd done some things down the stretch. The, the free throw line, how surprised are you that this team, you know, set a free throw shooting record at UK for the – I think it was the highest percentage, minimum 25 attempts – In an SEC road game in Kentucky basketball history, that's crazy, right? Like twenty-four of twenty-five, like that—that's a good sign. Uh, Jacob, they played through Jacob Toppin quite a few plays on that little pin-down action. Like, I'm interested to see what David thinks about that. Like, I don't think at any point did I ever think that Kentucky would play through Jacob Toppin and run action for Jacob Toppin at any point this season. But they—they—they've ran that pin down a lot for him that same pin down that they were running for B.J. Boston early in the season.
1: Yeah, David, on that note, Cal had some some a pretty interesting comment afterward where it was kind of like that realization of everything that we get out of Jacob Toppin this year, it's all icing on the cake. We said on this show when he committed that – he was a long-term project he came in as a guy that he did not want to play this season he was going to redshirt he's going to develop his body He was going to develop his game work against you know future pros and, and in a uh, playing for a hall of fame coach in practice and you know try to be a a high level practice guy for the year to kind of be on that same Obi Toppin timeline he wanted to come in be that developmental piece and then down the road kind of grow and, and develop as that potential high, high level guy. So any and all production that Jacob Toppin was going to provide this season, it was going to be icing on the cake. And I think uh, coach cow referred to it as um, found change. Like he, he's found change in, in that you found in your couch or in your jeans after you watch them, you know, it's like that extra, Oh, wow. I didn't expect to have this, but here we go. What are your thoughts on just the development of Jacob Toppin from the start of the season to knowing that he is a crucial role player for Kentucky, twenty games into the season,
0: I think he got more comfortable, and I think it's probably a good thing that he did play because it seems like his development has been on the court development, where he's just been kind of like, "Hey, I've adjusted to the SEC game, and uh, you know, I can fit in." Uh, you know, you look earlier in the year, even in games where he might have had four or five points. He would make a play here or there, and you would go, wow. You know, I don't know if there's another player on the team that could could make that. Uh, So he showed those flashes, you know, in just little spurts. But then in the last few games, you started to see, like you did last night, him grow into a role. And, you know, he's got a defined role right now. And if you look at his minutes, they went perfectly – I'm going to look down at my phone right here because I was looking at this last night. If you'll look, uh, Devin Eskew uh, set out for five minutes and 42 seconds. Davion Mint set out for four minutes and 24 seconds. B.J. Boston set out for 11 minutes and 56 seconds. If you add all those together, there was like a two-second differential in that and Jacob Toppin's playing time at 2204, so he's got a role. Cal's going seven deep, and he's saying, "Hey, when Toppin, we're going to play a combination of Toppin, Askew, Boston, and uh, Mints, uh, you know, on the perimeter. And when one of those guys are, or you know that combination so, combination, so when those one of those guys are out, he's going to be in. So." He should be comfortable because now he has a defined role on this team, and he has a you know defined playing time in a substitution pattern.
2: I like how he impacts the game, Jacob Toppin, in so many different ways. Like yeah. you, I mean, with his energy, with his how many how many games have we seen it this year where it's been like you mentioned? It'll be a play that he made early in the season, just an effort play, or his rebounding, or how about this? The ability to – I think at times, David, he has potential to be one of the better defenders that this team has, yeah. especially moving forward. Like, last well, that's not. Garden Scottie Pippen Jr. can switch one through four on some of those ball screens. Like, his, his impact, I just feel like out of all the guys on the roster, he can kind of put his hand in different baskets more than so than anyone else can. Just with his makeup, 6'9", the athleticism, the – now you're starting to see that that shot's starting to come along and some of the action that they ran for him last night. I think that is what makes him uh, so unique. And, Jack, what I talked about in December when I thought that he was the most important piece to the U.K. basketball program before we got to see any of this. Yeah.
0: And I- if I can say this right quick – I'm sorry, Jack, and I'll get out of your way. I tweeted last night after the game that you kind of wonder what this team's got left to play for this year. But looking ahead to next year – and he makes you feel good about some of the pieces that will be back, you know, looking ahead because is he a three, is he a four? I think he gives you that bigger wing, you know, and they're trying to find somebody in that in that mold that can do that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it may be somebody like him, and you're not going to have to worry about going out and, and finding that recruit to do that. You know, he may be able to step right in.
1: And david, that's that's a perfect segue to kind of the the big picture of this show for me because, I, I started thinking, you know, what what does this team have left to play for? You know, the, they could make an SEC tournament run. They could, you know, w- win that, and you know, then it, it's a you know re- restart of a season of sorts. Once the NCAA tournament comes, you you go in, you take care of business in Nashville, and then you know you earn an eight seed or a seven, you know, whatever that whatever the case is, and then your your des- destiny is in your own hands. You you can d- decide your own fate but it does feel like this season is almost like your gap year your developmental year for next year for, for in in past years you i mean just this last year in particular we've only gotten one returnee in, in Keon Brooks the year before that was like the most experienced group that we've gotten at kentucky and, and you know recent you know ej montgomery back nick richards back emmanuel quickly back ashton hagan's back and then the nate sestina you know you that we don't usually get that there's usually a mass exodus out instead of a you know a, a high level group of of returnees back and it really does feel like this season we're going to get more returning pieces should you know avoiding the transfer portal avoiding some you know mistakes E.J. Montgomery, Ashton Hagen's level mistakes in the in the draft decision process. It feels like if if these kids look at themselves in the mirror and say this was a, a loss year, we we got to get past this. Let let's look ahead to next season and return to school. We could get almost a two year plan with this season, like a, a, a two year route for this. So, David, that that perfect to my next segment what do you see uh next year out of Jacob Toppin what do you see we talked about the possibility of Davion Mintz returning for next for an uh, additional season you know who do you think that core group is for for next season
0: now for one I don't mind Kentucky being a developmental program for once and I've said that at times I get I, I think we all do at times. We may get a little fatigued with a one-and-done and trying to reintroduce ourselves to new players. Now, it's obviously as long as you're winning, it's a lot easier to feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But when you're not, then all of a sudden, you know, we, we need to change directions. And I'm as bad as anybody for that. But I go back in the past, and uh, I guess the advantage I've got, the disadvantage I've got is is I'm old enough to be – each one, of your guys' dads, probably. So I can go. I mean, I go back to the Joby Hall days. So when you, you know, it's funny you watch these old clips, and I'm, and I really don't remember, but I'm thinking about, well, how, how much was Dirk Minifield? Or you take a guy like that, how good was he his freshman year? And how, but you never thought about that back then. It was a, the development, or a very few players you thought of, you said, well, they're going to come right in and they're going to dominate, even when they're there for you. year. A Sam Bowie, somebody like that. But you go think of a Dirk Minifield. You think of a go on, move on up to a Wayne Turner and somebody like that. And you think, okay, what's the difference there with a Devin Askew? you know, where they hype more than him. Those guys, we have patience with them, and sometimes we don't afford Devin Eskew that luxury. So if you look at him, you look at Toppin, uh, uh, Oscar Sheeway, obviously he's got that year. I wonder even about a Keon Brooks, um, you know, and and would he come back for a third year? You know, a lot of times that's considered – a unicorn with a kentucky program but you know it could happen very possible very possibly happen you know in others you get into dante allen and it's where so who comes back who leaves but i think in any scenario you know you're going to have pretty good building blocks starting with
1: top and going in the next season sean you go down the list devin ask you davion Mintz potentially dante allen Keon brooks cameron fletcher Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, and if you want to consider him Oscar Shiboy, considering he's going to have a full year of practice uh, as, you know, be, learning the Kentucky lifestyle and system, you're talking potentially eight guys, potentially. Uh, are the, uh, the odds of Kentucky returning eight guys next season? Very slim. That, you know, that, that just doesn't happen here. But it's not unfathomable to assume that five of those guys could return or – or even six, depending on you know depending on how the transfers work out. Sean, wh- what do you think that number of just quantity and quality returning for next season? What would that do for Cal's you know long term recruiting efforts and you know lack of emphasis on, on needing to hit the transfer portal hard because you already have that core group back and you know more importantly, wh- who do you think that core group is back? Who you know what, what's your gut your gut right now uh, on that core rotation that, that comes back next season.
2: Well, first of all, before I go into who, I think that this season, given the struggles that they've had, the one thing that could make it worth it, let's say that they don't win the SEC tournament. Let's say that they make a run to champion, to the championship game on Sunday and they lose. How will people view this season if they get 65 75% of their roster back? I think, it, I think people could maybe then look through the struggles and say, okay, it, that's what it takes to get to this point. Like when John Calipari was hired at Kentucky after Billy Gillespie, he changed the whole direction of the program with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson, all those guys. This program's in a completely different spot now. It's still Kentucky basketball. They still get elite talent. But college basketball as a whole has changed significantly since then. And now they're at a point, Jack, where I think for any program to be successful in college basketball now, now that the G League's a factor and everything else, you've got to mix in at least a couple of guys that develop into juniors in your program or seniors in your program. You can't, I don't think you can continue having 95% roster turnover. Not now. Uh, Unless you're getting Anthony Davis top talent. And how rare is that going to be? Like that. You don't get, like, that's that's the thing. Like, I'm going to put it that I feel really good that they get five of those guys back. I think there's a really good chance they get six of them back. Do I see a path at all eight? Yeah, I do, but I think it's very unlikely. I think that you're going to have a couple decide to transfer maybe at least one. I mean, obviously, that's just the whole landscape of any college basketball program. Uh, what What does Cameron Fletcher decide to do? After this year, I mean, he's he's not getting to play at all. Uh, that's a that's a spot on the roster too that you kind of think that the interior and the forward spots kind of going to be the the most competitive when it comes to having to fight and get minutes. If the, a lot of these guys comes back, like that said, if Keon Brooks decides for a junior season, Oscar, Damian Collins, Jacob Toppin. I mean, it's it's loaded at the at the forward and that, at those uh, the big men spot. But I think you feel really good about Devin Askew. Obviously, Davion Mintz, I think, is kind of the wild card. And I, I every day that this goes on, I think there's a, it, it's, it's more clear that they need Davion Mintz next year. I think that that's a guy that you want in your program. A guy like Davion Mintz in your program is the kind of guys that lead you when you get in the NCAA tournament and you win a game or two just because of that experience and the things that he can kind of do. Added into Oscar Shubway with experience, Keon Brooks with experience, Jacob Toppin with all this experience, So I think those two, I'll say, I I think Keon Brooks will be back. I've never felt like at any point that he was a guy that came to Kentucky with a time frame in mind that he has to be out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think that he obviously has gotten significantly better since last year. I would love to see him not have an injury, though, that delays him for a month or two, to see how he starts off after a full summer and a fall. Uh, Clearly Jacob Toppin, I think, is back. Lance Ware. uh I think Dante Allen and Cameron Fletcher are kind of the two question marks, right? Just given that how does Dante see that his fit in the program long term? I think that it's been expressed to me, Jack, and I know as you as well, he's going to keep his options open as any college basketball player should with given the transfer portal. Uh, and then I think Cameron Fletcher just comes down to whether or not that he sees like sees a fit for the program. But you're, you're still going to have kids transfer. What you can't have is you can't just lose 95% of your roster anymore. Kentucky's got to get to a point to where if they could retain 50% of every roster, but 20% of that 50% make it to year three, I think that that's the kind of pedigree that you want to see the Kentucky basketball program get to. And that's why I'll say this, and I want to, I want to get your thoughts on it. However the season ends, I don't think that it'll be fair for us to kind of judge it three or four weeks after the season's over, or even after all whatever guys decide they come back. I think you look at this season two years from now, when you get to 22, 23, and look back and see, okay, how many of those guys from that team that struggled are still in the program? Or what was the path of the program after that season? If it means change, then I honestly think that seven and 13 kind of it's, – it's a little it's worth it a little bit because you have changed the direction of the program when it comes to retaining players. Uh, what are your else thoughts on that? Like, do you? I don't want to view this four weeks after the season and say, okay, well it was a failure. Well, it wasn't that. I think it this season deserves a couple of years before we look back and say, okay, I see why that happened now, and it, it was worth it or it wasn't worth it. Not I, I, saying you want to lose, not saying you want to go seven and thirteen, but if it has something that comes from it, if there's some beauty in the struggle, then maybe there's some a silver lining there that maybe changes the direction of how this program goes when it comes to player retention.
1: Yeah, I, I think if nothing else, it has allowed John Calipari to take a step back and go, maybe things that I've been doing seven, eight, nine, ten years ago aren't working the same way as they are as they did back then. And I think it has been pretty evident in how he has been offering scholarships in the last several weeks. I mean, Nick Smith is a guy that in 2022, who's a very skill first type guy. Uh, Trevor Keels is another very, you know, sharp shooter. In the past, Cal would recruit those guys, but they were kind of end of class. You know, kind of the Lance Ware, Cameron Fletcher yep. type guys. How do
2: you how do you fill out your roster with needs? Yeah,
1: those those were r- roster fillers, as opposed to yep. let's make the bulk of it. let's let's focus on skill and shooting, as opposed to just pure athleticism and length. And I feel like th- like this season has allowed him to take a step back and realize that yeah, maybe the one and done era, the way I kind of constructed it in twenty nine two thousand nine two thousand ten with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, those guys. That type of system isn't as feasible or as as easy as it is to construct a roster in this way, and I, I think I, I doubt he knew that going into this year with B.J. Boss and Terrence Clark supposed to be the players they were supposed to be, Olivier Sar being the, the the transfer player that he was supposed to be. I think he was kind of thinking that he constructed the perfect roster in his mind. He got the developmental players, and he got the, the top top level star talent. but knowing that the star aspect of it hasn't necessarily been there but the development has been I think it's still going to be a net win at the end of the day for Cal next year especially and then a couple years down the road as well David I don't know your thoughts as well
0: I'm just interested to see and we'll never know I mean he's not going to come out and he may not he's pretty transparent at times but I'm interested to see what his tape becomes after the season's over. You know, now, once you get a little bit of downtime, does he talk himself into things? Does he talk himself out of things? How much has he considered it over the season because he's so busy with the team? Um, the players come back simply because there's no other options. Uh, you know, the players we named that, will be back, the NBA is not beating down their doors. You know, if they were, uh, would there be a change? So, I don't know yet. Um, I just wonder if, like I said, all these players coming back is just simply because out of necessity. Um, you know, if, if you've got, I think their biggest need, uh, obviously one of their biggest needs is going to be a scoring guard. It doesn't look good on the front for Jaden Hardy or uh, uh, Hunter Salis, either one. And getting in as late as they did on uh, Trevor Kills, I don't know where that goes. So, you know, there's there's still a need there. Uh, So, you know, you don't get those kind of guys. You go to the transfer market, and then people might say – well, he's wanting an older player. He's going to the transfers. But the reason you might go to the transfers is because you couldn't get that five-star kid out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I don't know yet because it's just been a weird season. Obviously, 7-13 and 13 at Kentucky uh, doesn't happen every year. You know, right now I think it's the lowest winning percentage, what, since 1926. Mm-hmm. So obviously things are a little bit different. And it'll be interesting to see how they, they play out. And, and, and I'm not sold. Really, either way, yeah, I, I, I just want to see what happens here in the future with, with, with how he constructs his rosters.
1: David, I, I kind of wrote how a – How uh, do he construct uh, it in two
0: years? I'm sorry. You know, we know next year, but let's say after next year, how does he – let's say they have a good team next year, then then and, and they get to an Elite Eight or whatever. Let's just say, what's he doing two years? Does he restock it back with with one and dines? What happens?
2: I, th- I think that's the intriguing thing, right? Is when they have a nor- when they have a good year again, do they lose eighty five to ninety percent of their team from a good season? That's kind of been the thing, right, Jack? Mm-hmm. That they always lose a ton when they're good. Uh, do they get to a point to where they retain kids even when they're really good? Yeah, that's the that,
0: failing point is beforehand. What's he? What What does he sell from here on out? We know he has pumped the he has pumped hit the gas on the one-and-dones just a nausea. We know that. He admits it. He says that's what he's built it around. He tells kids to leave after one year. Uh, Does he start pumping the brakes on that now? And that starts in the recruiting process. Once those kids come to Kentucky, he can't tell a Terrence Clark, hey, man, we've had a change of operation here. You know, you need to stay here three years and develop now. Mm -hmm. That's what we're about. It happens. Went before they ever commit to Kentucky during that process. So that's where we'll find out.
1: And just – I kind of constructed a little makeshift depth chart for next season just for – just for my own personal, you know, planning sake as a best-case scenario uh, type situation. Devin, ask you, Nolan Hickman is your primary ones. Davion Mintz, Dave, Dante Allen is your twos. Keon Brooks, Cameron Fletcher is your threes. Damian Collins, Jacob Toppin, Bryce Hopkins as your fours, and then Oscar Shibway, Lance Ware as your fives. And obviously some of those positionless basketball, quote, unquote, you know, those are shifting. But the guards, you know, wings and bigs are all kind of interchangeable, but the, the total number 11 is there. Uh, there are 11 guys right now that if you look at that roster – of the guys that could and should be back next season along with the three signings they already have, you say the hitting the transfer portal right now, it's probably, they, they'll probably need to add at least one more guard, but if they do return best case scenario, UK returns eight. Cal's able to talk the Dante Allens and, and Cameron Fletcher's back, um, you, you know, keep Keon Brooks from going to the draft and the, those sort of things. Do you think they need another piece? Do you think, uh, even with eleven scholarship guys, you think they need one more?
0: Yes, and the reason I say that, John Calipari, when is the last press conference after a game? You've heard John Calipari says we don't have anybody who can create.
1: Yep. you know, them,
0: right? You can't. the The only in the, the only thing that, that, that builds scores, scores are created. It's God. They're not coached. They're created, <laughs> That's and. True. And you can't – there's not one player unless Terrence Clark came back next year. There's not one player on that roster who's all of a sudden a creator. And he said it, and he's right. He said, we have to do it through scheme. We have to scheme guys into shots and get them open. You just don't give somebody the ball and say, here, go score. And he's had guys like that in the past, so they need that. So How I much? definitely feel like they, they've got to pick somebody up like that. And it just can't be, well, we're going to get so-and-so from, from you know, the Citadel, who averaged nine points a game, you know, when he started. No, they got to have, man, they got to have some guy coming in that was averaged 25 in the Big Ten and was all-conference two years. they they got to have that kind of guy
1: sean one second before you you do your point uh david if i recall last last week's episode with, with sean i said kentucky needs to find the guard equivalent of luca garza they need to find the guy that is not good enough or, or built for the nba type you know in terms of size skill speed those, those sort of things luca garza you know he, he he might be able to fill a role in the nba at some point but th- that's kind of the the theme with him right now is he is the most dominant player in college basketball but the reason why he's still in college basketball is because he's not an nba type guy is there a guard equivalent and if i recall uh, a couple months ago you said if if uh, luca garza ever became available that you do a naked cartwheel um if you ever came to Kentucky. That was those were your own words on yeah, My words. <laughs> so in <the> who, snow. <laughs> who, is, who is the the uh, guard equivalent in college basketball that would make you do a naked cartwheel in the snow uh should he exist. Hmm question is it here's
0: the thing a lot of those guys a lot of those guys that are guards are gonna go pro, right? Whereas, you know, you have the old school post who um, doesn't fit into the NBA game, you know. And there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot more of those. Whereas these guards who can create, they go that NBA route. So I'm, you know, I could come up with a lot of names, but I would have to think long and hard on that one to think of somebody that that wouldn't go into the draft.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the. You, you you go down the list of the, the Scotty Pippen Juniors of the world, where they're in that in the, in the middle. He could put his you know test the NBA draft waters, but he doesn't really feel like an NBA type guy yet. Um, he would know, be a
0: good one. I might take my socks off for that one. That's as far as I'm going. <laughs> oh,
1: oh we'll, we'll we'll have to find. <laughs> <I can. laughs> I'm, uh, I, I can't even.
0: That, that's that's round one of strip poker. That's <laughs> you know, that's your like first hand.
1: We gotta find the, the next guy that'll give you at least a little shirt taken off action. <laughs> we well, oh, gotta take it one step at a time. Well, yeah. but.
2: <laughs> but what I was getting to about when David was talking about Cal saying that they don't have anybody that can create, they don't, and honestly. How much is that played into why they've lost games late or when it gets into the final four minutes when you need a basket? It's, it's played into it. I mean, when you don't have anybody that makes offense easy for anybody anybody else on Kentucky, and this team has to execute more than any team has in the past, and you're starting to see it. I mean, clearly they're executing more. you got B.J. Boston's learning how to read screens, like his, his footwork and everything early in the game last night. Uh, Davion Mintz, they back-to-back read a screen and flared on it and knocked down threes early in the game. So the, I think the basketball IQ is getting a little higher and stuff. They're learning. But there's just such an emphasis on execution that I just don't remember in the John Calipari era at Kentucky at any point, where they've always had a guy that could kind of go get their own. Like last year, Emmanuel Quickly could go make a play or something, or Nick Richards, they could run something. But just just looking at this team – when you're, when you're talking about next year, like David mentioned it, Terrence Clark's the only guy that I think that could even come in and be that guy that just goes and makes a play for him. And right now I will say this, though. Davion Mintz is making plays, but it's not getting to the rim. He's just hitting some big shots, big threes, when things are kind of breaking down. He hit A couple of them last night that just were daggers that Cal's been talking about. That's the way he's been impacting the game. Uh, I think they've identified who their guy is. I think it is Mintz. But he's still he's not that guy that can just go to the basket and get one. It's just it's hitting a big shot. And what they're missing is somebody that just sets up life and makes it easy for everyone else and goes and makes De'Aaron Fox or Malik Mock or one of those guys. That this this team just doesn't have those guys.
0: He so hit I'm, that three last night and I couldn't tell, and you guys will know the play I'm talking about. The shot clock was under ten. He had the ball on the right wing. Keon Brooks had went and handed it off. And I couldn't tell if he was Waving Keon Brooks off, or he was telling him to come a ball screen. At first, I thought he was telling him to come a ball screen, and when he left, I went, "Oh man, they're dead. He's left him out on an island." Yeah. And the more I watched it, I think he was motioning him away because Brooks he was. left. And but when it happened, I went, "Man, he's stuck out here, 25 feet from a bucket, with well, about seven or eight seconds left on the shot clock." you know and, and he makes the shot and contests the three yeah. and how many times has that happened for Kentucky this year where you've had a created shot late in the game and it's it's gone in i mean you could count them less than a, a hand probably on one or two fingers
2: yeah and and that's that's what stood out to me too about that was him waving him off and i mean cuz they they got caught to a situation where there there wasn't any flow offensively nothing was there and somebody had to go make a play, but in the past, you know, you'd have a guy that could just blow by someone and get to the basket. Uh, that's why I think that honestly, Jack, outside of, they still even if Davion Mitz comes back, David's right. They gotta go get a guy who can create. They gotta go get a score on the, at that two spot. They they have to. If, if 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 that's the thing too. Like I think all the pieces are there for them to return to being really good next year. But to get to elite-level status and get back to Final Four contention, national championship contention, you got to go get an elite a, a guy who can score at that spot. But I'm starting to think that Davion Mintz, might, he needs to be the top of the priority list for John Calipari recruiting when this thing's over with. Because there's a place in the program for a guy like that. And the growth that he has shown, that he's not scared to take the big shot if they could get to a point to where Davion Mintz – now let's, let's say they get to a point to where they bring somebody else and he doesn't even have to start. I mean, even if he comes off the bench as your sixth supposed,
1: man. That was, that was supposed to be the goal
2: originally. Yeah, he was supposed to be a complimentary piece. Yeah, and if, if you get to a point where he could be your sixth man or you still – you have Jacob Toppin. How does he fit into this next year? Like he's obviously going to be their top seven. But if you could get to a spot to where Davion Mintz is six, Jacob Toppin seven, I start to kind of like what they have here with the, with the program. Yeah. Uh,
1: and David, that that's what I was going to ask um, you. Just just your, the idea of, it almost feels like watching Davion Mintz play now is almost more enjoyable. And I know we kind of lucked out with an 18 point game and you know, him, him making big shots, but knowing that he is openly considering a return from next year and, and kind of, Envisioning a a sixth season out of Davion Mintz, it almost makes these games the, the last couple more enjoyable. Just knowing, like, wow, he does have that role in this in this team next year. He does have that spot where he could be that that dagger thrower that Cow's looking for. He can be that big shot maker. He can just be that veteran leader. I mean, they're, they're that type of player. Just feels just just perfect for this team next year that they that they desperately need David we we haven't really gotten to ask your thoughts on the idea of a of a um return out of Davion Mintz we talked about it last week and um it's kind of been rumored behind the scenes and and put out there publicly the last couple weeks what have you heard about that and and what do you think his return would mean to the program next season
0: well Davion Mintz is is uh been my favorite player on he's my favorite player on his team he's been my favorite player on his team because when you go back earlier in the year when man it just seemed like some this team was just getting ready to cave the Davion Mintz was the guy out there you just watched him on the defensive end he played so hard every possession and he was really the only guy doing that I think Lance Ware would but you would see guys just taking plays off and he never did it. He was making that extra play and an extra effort. He was the vocal leader. And I'm going to be honest, if no other reason, people may get tired of hearing John Calipari say this, but I agree with it because sometimes they think he's just trying to, you know, they get beat. He's saying this and people don't want to hear it. They think he's looking for a a, a, a rainbow in a cloud or whatever. But – um he, he talks about, he wants to see the players enjoy the process. And when you come to play for Kentucky, man, that ought to be a, one of the best times of your life. Mm-hmm. And you, not only have they struggled this year on court to the extent of seven to 13. I mean, you're looking at guys who can't get out of their room who normally would be the big man on campus who are quarantined. Like nobody else on campus is quarantined. I mean, you look at, you go back and look at North Carolina when the Miami game got canceled, it got canceled because some guys got together after the Duke game and celebrated. And I think there were two or three other students. There were more people on this zoom call than were were in that apartment. And they, they lost the game because of it. And Roy Williams said, Hey, these guys are getting treated like they broke into capital. So that was, and I thought that was a great line. So, Davion Mintz has played his guts out, and I just love what he brings, and he's really gotten no uh, positives out of it. And, of course, playing for Kentucky is a positive, but when I'm talking about what you would normally get. So I'd like to see him come back. I think he adds a lot, and I just want him to to get out of it what a, a normal player that plays at Kentucky would get. I think that's not too much to ask.
2: And I do think if John Calipari values it, and I, I think that that's a conversation, Jack, that I honestly I think Davion could see a path to come back next year, especially given that it's a two-year degree that he's trying to finish up. So there's obviously some some value. in why not play another year of college basketball? Uh, he's a kid who missed a, a year due to injury. And honestly, like David was talking about, he's not got the benefit of Kentucky. None of these kids have. Like Keon Brooks has. Like he had it last year. But there's going to be kids that walk out of this program how are they going to view their experience at kentucky when this is over with like how will bj boston remember kentucky you know how will olivier sar remember kentucky like isn't that like i think that's the most disappointing thing is there's going to be kids leave the uk basketball program that that played here and never really got to see the good
1: yeah i mean it's it's we talked a lot about that last week where it, it just it genuinely feels like this has just been a lost year for everybody involved. BJ Boston came in with all the lights and spot, you know, j- just all of the flair and you know playing for Sierra Canyon and and he he was built for the twenty four thousand fan arena and and everybody being you know you know kind of shouting his name and all that. He hasn't gotten that and and you know he's only seen the negative side. He's only seen fans. You know, crapping on him for you know missing a bunch of shots during games and all that. It's just it's just been rough and and I think that's why around the league you will get more surprise decisions than we've ever seen. And I and you know I selfishly I'd love to see some uh, at, at Kentucky this year. A guy like Isaiah Jackson, uh, he's right on that fringe lottery to late first round pick type guy right now. Um, I mean, I think the odds of him returning right now are just so slim because he, he just seems to be growing and improving by the game. And every every time he steps on the floor, he does something to just wow everybody. But, yeah, you look at a guy like Terrence Clark who came in, admittedly, with his bags packed. And, you know, you talk to people behind the scenes before the season where no matter how the season was going to go, both B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark were leaving no matter what. They were they came in with the, intent, with the mindset of, I am going to be gone in eight months. They did. Um, but does you know does the difficulty of this season does Terrence Clark injury you know the injuries and and you know just kind of the overall mindset of everything does that change his mind a little bit I don't know Um, but I think this could be the this could be an opportunity for Cal to maybe get a little selfish on on his end for the first time for a Keon Brooks and say look last year was kind of a lost a lost cause we didn't get the uh, you know what you hope for coming back first of your sophomore year you were injured for the first three months of the season going back to october and not returning until january the, there's a role for you to come back and be the have that pj washington level jump that you kind of hope for when when you did dis- announce your, your return this could be a big opportunity for cal to you know make be a little bit more vocal about having guys return this season more more so than than usual, but especially Davion Mance, especially Keon Brooks. Those are, I think those are the two biggest pieces for Cal, um, and you know even Dante Allen with him kind of flirting with the transfer waters and all that. I mean I think this Cal Cal can be a little bit selfish this season, um, this offseason a little bit compared uh, compared more. David, I wanted to ask you before we kind of start wrapping things up, Damian Collins and, and Oscar Shebue it kind of feels like Cal is going to be forced to have that be his, his starting lineup um, in in the front court next season. But how do you think, how do you think Cal would needs to address that front court situation? Because me personally, I don't, I don't see those two working alongside one another. I think it's going to be another situation of Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson and Olivier Saar with less, shooting ability and and kind of perimeter focus because of what Olivier Sarr has given you more recently how if if you were Cal how would you go about that your front court situation knowing you have all these great pieces to work with but kind of none of them really working together all that well
0: I could see it let's take a look um Obviously, Jackson and Sar at times, especially when guys spread them, teams spread them out. That gets to be tougher against smaller lineups. I know what you're saying, and what a lot of people would say. Well, Oscar's really a five, and then um, and then our recruits coming in. You know, Damian's probably a five, and I understand that. You're sometimes you look at it and say well, we're too big, but there's a difference here because. Saar's not physical. So Saar sometimes to me is a guy without a position because he, your, your four may be more physical than your five. And whereas if you look at Oscar, Oscar's not going to be like anybody they've had in a while, where he's so physical and he just gets in there and beats and bangs and he's so big and strong. He can take some of that off. Uh, Damian Collins, whereas Olivier Saar can't really take that off Isaiah Jackson. So I, I could see maybe if Damian could stretch the floor a little bit, maybe play out on the floor, uh, maybe type a high-low, because Calipari is still going to play three guards around two post. So I could see that working. And then if you get Keon Brooks, that's how he comes back. Well, we've talked about Toppin's versatility. And, and don't forget Bryce Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Bryce Hopkins has some of that, where and maybe he could play a role as they played so many and bring a freshman along. So, if you if you look next year at the role of uh, Oscar, uh, uh, Damien Collins, um, uh, Keon, well Br- who knows where Lance Ware? I think Lance Ware might become kind of an odd man out in that group because yeah. that's really your third back to the bucket guy, but. You throw in Keon Brooks, and then you move Toppin, you can slide him and play him some of that four. I I think they could match up, especially if Brooks comes back. That kind of gives you more of that four guy, and you could kind of play Oscar and Damian off each other where they're subbing. So I I think there's a way that that could work, and I kind of like that group together, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, it it just – I think Cal could get pretty creative. You know, honestly, you, I kind of like that idea of Oscar and Keon as your starting group and then Damien and Jacob as your second group, but kind of splitting minutes, you know, 25 minutes a a piece there, you know, some, something of that. I mean, I think there, you could get some pretty solid versatility there and then have If
0: you had to play against Oscar and Keon, uh, man, the first thing you're going to be looking for when you leave the floor is a good ice bath somewhere. Because I'm going to tell you, those guys would work on you together.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I do think that Cal's pretty high on Jacob Toppin. He, he, it it does feel like Cal goes out of his way to praise Toppin more than just about anybody. I mean, he's given him reason to, especially recently. So it almost feels like Jacob is going to be that guy at the four going into next year. But, it, I mean, you, you look at that depth chart, and Cal definitely has – has a lot to work with and, and just so much versatility and, and it, it, it it feels like he has again built the roster up so well kind of by accident because of you know how bad the season has gone and and you know kind of stumbling upon of stumbling upon Oscar Sheboy getting back and Keon not being the two-year plan that, Potentially not going with his two-year plan that he can't kind of came in with Davion, um, you know, potentially being an option. But it, it does feel like the roster is built perfectly if they add that final piece that's going to make you do a naked cartwheel. It, it just feels like we got to find that one that one individual piece. And and I just I, I hope Cal already has already has that guy circled. I, I hope that it's it's a quick and easy process because. I don't know if I have a whole, another whole summer in me or a whole nother spring in me of going through the transfer portal and seeing who's the latest and greatest guy to enter and all that. I, I hope yeah. that it's as quick and easy as the Oscar way recruitment was.
0: Jack, i go maybe like to the NBA game when free agency's over. Well, let's say the big piece. So let's say, uh, uh, the Clippers, you know, they add, they make the additions there, and they bring in a, a Paul George and, and, uh, you know, and, and the Lakers bring in a LeBron, and uh, the Nets bring in a KD or or James Harden. What are the pieces around them? Mm-hmm. Because if you look last year with the Lakers, uh, before LeBron came in, that roster wasn't very good. Now, I know they had a LeBron, but the roster around it wasn't very good. Man, they just started adding piece after piece after piece. And that's what these teams do. That's what a Golden State did. You know, they had Steph Curry, but, you know, they would bring in an Ecuador. They would bring in guys like that. And the next thing you know, you go, man, that they just got a loaded roster. So I look at Kentucky. If they bring in that big-time free agent, so to say, for a college game, the pieces are there around them to where – they make him better and he makes those other guys better. You know, when you that, that I just kind of look at an NBA makeup for a roster, now they need to go out and and they need to find that 35 million dollar a year guy.
1: Yeah, and it's it, it's easy for us to say Cal's just got to find that superstar. It's you know, it's it but it does feel like Cal this offseason with the one year transfer rule um, you know, just kind of the how difficult this last season was. Cal's going to be desperate and flexible because there's going to be uh, so much movement with the one-time transfer rule. We're going to get see more movement this offseason than we've ever seen in recent years, and Cal is going in with a chip on his shoulder to find that one final piece. He's going to be – on his a game, he's gonna you know if this virtual visit stuff keeps continuing, he's gonna have a full a full roster of coaches to be able to be on these Zoom calls and recruit. And it it does feel like if there is one off season for Cal to need to kind of swing for the fences and get that big fish, it feels like this is this is that time. Um, I, I just I hope it comes sooner rather than later because if if he does find that that pretty that that star scoring guard with you know, wiggle and, and versatility and, and be able to beat guys off the off the dribble and score at the rim, if he can find that perfect piece, I, I'm going to be more sold on this roster And I think up and down. It's going to be a pretty darn complete group for sure.
0: When he tells you game after game after game, we do not have anybody we can give the ball to and score, that's his admission, yes, I've got to go out and find a guy like that, you know. It's like living in Colorado, and you say, "I've got Cheetos, I've got a bean bag. What else do I need? I can't put my finger on it." Well, you <laughs> got, hey, you know what the need is, okay?
1: <laughs> oh, David and his metaphors, I, I think. Um... I think they just steal the show every single time. All right. Uh, with that, we are going to get the heck out of here. But before we do, let's uh, have a quick message with our friends at UK Federal Credit Union. Are you tired of sky-high mortgage payments? Refinance your existing mortgage loan with UK Federal Credit Union's fixed home equity loan. They're currently offering rates as low as 2.74% APR and no closing costs with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today at UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. All right. Now, with that, we also have another quick little surprise in store for our listeners. Uh, So I had an awesome fan reach out to me uh, in in my DMs, Rob Vertries. He said, um, you know, times are tough right now. People are stuck in their houses. Weather's crappy. I just want to give back to the give back to the fans so he reached out to me and said that he was buying 10 $25 gift cards to ks bar and grill and he reached out to me and said I want you guys to to give them away to to your listeners you know come up with some contest come up with some game and and give it away to the listeners so we we were kind of talking a little bit off air about about a cool idea to close out this season because you guys have been so awesome and and have pushed us up the charts and and things are just going so well with this show. We appreciate all of you guys. Um, How about we do – so there are four more regular season games to close out the season. We're at Tennessee on Saturday, Texas A&M Tuesday, February 25th, against Florida again February 27th uh, next Saturday, and then they close out the regular season at Ole Miss on March 2nd. Um, and then from there, there's there's talk that there's gonna, that they're going to reschedule that South Carolina game to close out the season, or they might reschedule the Detroit Mercy or whatever it is that last week of the regular season. They're kind of planning as a makeshift rescheduling week. So um, there's going to be at least four games to close out the regular season, but maybe five. And if not, we'll push this back. Push this into the SEC tournament where there's going to be at least one of those games. So we've decided that we want. So you must be following the three of us, me at at Jack Pilgrim KSR. David, what's your Twitter?
2: Coach David Sisk.
1: And then Sean?
2: At GVB Country.
1: Okay, so you you must be following the three of us, um, and you can reach out to any of the three of us. It doesn't matter. For the next five games, so Tennessee, Texas A&M, Florida – Ole Miss or in either South Carolina to close out the year, the first week of the SEC tournament, you can give us a halftime score and a final score. If you are closest to halftime or the final score, whoever is closest on both gets a $25 gift card. So we'll be giving away 50 bucks a game for the next five games to close out the regular season. And And you'll be the
0: first one to turn that in. If we have multiple people say the same score first,
1: first, so so yeah you'll get you'll get uh preferential treatment if you are the first to do so closest score wins for both halftime and final so uh, we really appreciate rob for sending that those over to us and and obviously we appreciate the fans for listening over and over and over again and laughing with us and, and kind of going through this difficult stretch of well this whole season really has been difficult but just especially kind of getting us to this this finish line uh we'll do it together and we'll eat some good food and drink a cold beer if if need be um so so send those to us at at our twitter accounts and and uh we will uh have have two winners to pick after the tennessee game so with that uh we will wrap this thing up one more time david where can fans find your work
0: uh at cats illustrated on the rivals network and uh also as you said coach david sisk at twitter
2: and sean you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBcountry.
1: You can find me at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email as well, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you next time.